is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Today, I'm here with Steve Reich and our good friend, Dr. Ray Underwood, to talk about multi-site church for the rest of us, specifically the role that strategic partnerships and mergers can play in a multi-site strategy. Dr. Ray Underwood is a church planter, and he pastored the church he planted here in South Florida for 30 years before his church entered into a merger or a strategic partnership with us here at Family Church. When I came to West Palm Beach 10 years ago, Ray, you were the very first pastor to reach out to me. You were not in a Southern Baptist church. Southern Baptist is our tribe. You were a non-denominational pastor, and you knew that I was in a church that was struggling. You knew that I was struggling as a new pastor, and you reached out to me, invited me to lunch, and actually put me in a group of men that we worked together in a cohort for seven years. And Ray, I'll never forget the kindness that you showed me when I first came here to the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. And I'm so glad that now, not only are we close friends and brothers, but we get to work together here at Family Church. It really is an honor. So, Dr. Ray, can you tell our listeners what motivated you and Palm Beach Community Church, the church that you planted, what motivated you to partner with Family Church after you successfully led that church for 30 years? Well, Jimmy, I think if I'm straight about it, it was you. It was the vision thing in you. As I talked with you, you talked about planting 100 churches in South Florida and beyond. That just grabbed my heart. I was about church planning, believe in church planning, and it was that, that vision. Palm Beach Community Church started in October of 1985 with a vision to plant 40 churches in 20 years. We started well. We got six churches up. Then we got distracted buying 47 acres on PGA Boulevard, started another non-for-profit, and we got off our mission and vision to plant churches. And so to me, it was always the vision thing. When people, my elders ask me that, it's the vision. It's the vision of going further, faster together than apart. And Steve, you kind of had a front row seat to all this. What was your perspective as you were here and we were putting this partnership together? Well, you know, I was watching this, Jimmy, and I I was really amazed by it because, you know, when you live in the Bible Belt, these really aren't conversations that you're having, right? So, I mean, it's really, really amazing to just watch and see how the Lord is working through this. And when you're on the mission field like we are, you know, you're really looking to see God do some amazing things like this. And so one of the things I thought would provide some context for our listeners today, you know, a lot of times when you talk about mergers or you talk about strategic partnerships, what you're actually talking about is one like gargantua church working with one little bitty tiny church that's struggling. Right. One's Pac-Man and one's the dots. Absolutely. Sucking it up. Right. And so this really wasn't that conversation. I mean, these are really two large churches deciding together that they would be better together. So I wanted to just ask you guys, you know, what was on your mind to really bring this together? You know, I think for me, it it was trust. It was time. It was really getting to know Jimmy and knowing his heart and knowing his vision. I took a vacation. I read a book called Better Together by Jen Tomberlin, and it got me really thinking. I visited a church, Life Church, that same week. I was on vacation with my wife, and I saw the Church of Tomorrow, the Church of Future. And I became convinced in my own heart, and I think the elders became convinced that we would be better together, that we could run further, faster together than apart. Well, I think 
one of the things, Steve and Ray, that, that we had to do is we had to ask the question, would we reach more people for Jesus better, stronger, faster together as one church, or would we reach more people for Jesus as Palm Beach Community Church and Family Church? We were already good friends. We've been having lunch together once a month for seven years. So we have this really close relationship. You know, Ray, I'd come to you many times and ask you for parenting advice as I'm parenting teenagers, and you've already walked through that You're stage of life. coming a lot. That's right. I needed a lot of help. That's right. I'm not done coming over there yet either. And so, you know, we had this really close personal friendship and we had done some things together with our church staffs and I knew all the people on your staff and you knew people on my staff. And so we had this history together, but we really had to answer that question. Would we reach more people for Jesus Mm. together than we would apart? And once you and I both kind of said, you know what, this sounds crazy. I don't know how I'm going to explain it to the elders. I don't know how I'm going to explain it to the people at family church. I actually think the answer to that is yes. We would reach more people together. Then we had to begin to think, well, well, good grief, if that is true, how can we ever get there? Because our polity is different. Our decision-making processes are different. And there's a lot. Yeah, denom- he had no denominational. Well, he was con- I'm a Baptist with- boy. That's true. Baptist. You grew up in a Baptist church. That's right. Went to a Baptist seminary and all of that. So we did have a lot in common doctrinally, but still, mm-hmm. there were a lot of bridges that we had to cross. Huge bridges. Well, you know, guys, all of us remember the DC talk song that said, some people have to learn the hard way, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was my autobiography. (laughs) Yeah. So the three of us really understand this well. You know, when you think about this, you know, it would have been wonderful. You know, some people go, oh my goodness, you know, they're on the outside looking at this and they just seem, see this seamless strategic partnership, right? And there's always Hmm. challenges. There's always bumps. And so Ray, I was just wondering from your side, like what were some of the challenges and then, Jimmy, you had some unique challenges on your side. Let's let's talk about hmm. some of those. Man, to me, you know, the elders got on board pretty quick. They read the book as well. We began processing it together and praying about it, and they became convinced. And I think for the elders, they put the kingdom first. They began to ask that question, what is better for the kingdom? Not what's better for us, what's better for our church. What's better for the kingdom? How can we be better together? And, and would we? But I think that it was most difficult with the staff. We had about 20 mm. to 30 staff at that time, counting the other non-for-profits. Right. And it was helping the staff. They looked at it more like, how is this going to affect me? And rightfully so. They're concerned about <laughs> right. the well-being. And, you know, and they wanted I, to do stuff like get paid. That's right. And like they, all of us did. They knew I trusted Jimmy, but they didn't know Jimmy. You know, and, yeah. and one of the things we did, which was I thought was really helpful, is we went on retreat. We joined you guys at one of your staff retreats. And our staff got to hang with your staff. And that began to really build... Trust is built on relationships and with time, you know, and you can do a lot when you really trust each other. And so because we spent time together, it brought us to a level that, wow, we want to be a part of this. We want to join Family Church and planting 100 churches in South Florida and beyond. Well, I also think, you know, there are some things going on at our church that really made us wide open to doing something a little bit different. We had a congregation that was meeting in a in a school auditorium up not too far from where you were, right? About 10 miles away yep. from you, eight miles away from you. Started. Right. We called it Family Church in Abacoa. And we had about 350 people meeting in this congregate in this congregation. And we really were outgrowing the facility. We weren't hundred percent sure the school was going to continue to allow us to meet there indefinitely. And we were convinced we we're going to need a different kind of a facility. And so we put a team together to find out in that area of town, what would it cost to buy land, build a building, or lease a building and convert it for church use? Or, you know, what were our options in terms of building if we didn't stay in this school where we didn't think we'd be able to stay long-term? And the answer came back, it was going to be 10 to $12 million investment minimum to have a very minimal facility 
in this area of town, which is really unattainable for us. We didn't have that kind of money nor the appetite to borrow that money. So we felt a little bit stuck. On the other hand, you guys were in a situation where you had a beautiful building. Tell them about the building that you guys had built. Sure. We built a building with the vision of really being able to leverage it and share it with the community. So it really was a performing arts center. And it was appraised at about over about $30 million. Yeah. At the time, we had about $11.3 million in debt. Great location. Yeah. It was premier property, 47 acres on PGA Boulevard initially. We had a debt service and a debt load that was around our neck that I was living with. I think that was a good thing. I think God used that to humble me, to continue to, but it always was a vision thing for me. I mean, we, we figured out a way that we got out of our, our situation without family church, but we really kind of made the decision even before we got out of it. We wanted to be a partners. We could be, we, that we'd be better together, but we had to work towards that process of, of, of working through that and getting that done. So what had happened was family church had just sold a pretty significant piece of property and so we were about to invest that money in new church plants. And actually, you know, Palm Beach Community Church, you had a way forward, but the quickest way forward was to bring cash to the table and work Pay it out with the bank debt. and be and be debt free. Absolutely. And so we're sitting there with people in no building. You're sitting there with a building and, and, and we had some cash. You're sitting there with a building and some people. And plus, we had this vision and this relationship that we shared. And that, the, the fact that we had shared theology, shared relationship and shared vision made it pretty easy to say, this is an opportunity for everybody to be better together. And the leadership at Family Church and the leadership at Palm Beach Community Church came to that. And I think it was really, really a God thing. And honestly, Ray, most senior pastors who are founding pastors of a church like PBCC would never, ever, ever agree to do what you did. But you've chosen to come on staff as one of the pastors on on the executive team at Family Church. And for someone to be willing to say, I'm going to lay down this position, that's pretty unusual. I'd love for you to hear you comment on that. Man, you know, I, as I talk with other pastors that wrestle with the same thing, it's always, I call it a pride and a control thing. And I always tell guys, and I think I'm convinced it's true that great leaders are great followers. And I had to answer that question, am I willing to follow? And am I willing to be that kind of a leader? That I don't have to be in charge and sit in that chair and, and call all the shots. And I, to be honest with you, at this place in life, it's more fun. I'm having a blast. I'm in my sweet spot. It looks you know? fun. It is fun, you know. Uh, <laughs> now we're all this. You're in the chair. You're in the chair. Um, Jimmy and, hits all the darts. Uh-huh. And the guys, knives. Guys, you know, you, recently, both of y'all know that my son just got engaged. And, hmm. you know, yep. it was really neat because recently we were having a conversation with William and Becca, and they were talking about how the conversation came right. Up, right. So at some point, you know, you're dating, right. This girl's good looking. I like the, you know, this guy and I put, you know, all of that. But at some point you've got to start having the conversation. Yeah, We're going to have life together. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so it was just really funny having that conversation because as you might imagine, William had a version of the story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rebecca, like, actually had the, the real, truth. The right. truth, yeah. Right. And so, you know, so uh, how did the conversation come up for them? You know, like, like, are we going to get married? Right? right. So at some point, you guys are great friends. There's a relationship. I get that. But, like, at some point, you guys had to, like, really get into this and have the conversation. What? How did that begin with you two? We had this group of pastors of significant churches in the area that I've been meeting with some of those guys for 20 years. And I came back after reading that book and wrestling with it, and I called a meeting, a special meeting, and said, hey, guys, I read this book. It really rocked my world. And I'm asking the question, if the five of us would get together and become one church, would we be better together than apart? 
And theologically, I had a hard problem with that initially. Back in the days of doing some of my doctrinal studies, often when churches come together to do evangelistic campaigns, they're not more effective, they're less effective. And so I had to really work through it theologically, and I became convinced. And so I met with these guys, and I offered the I brought the question up. I came to Jimmy. I came to those group of guys. Now, I look back now and said, man, was Jimmy that great of a leader? You know, was, you know or, or did it just happen? But I initiated the whole thing. I initiated. Jimmy was there with five other guys. Yeah. And I really, in my mind, going into it, trying to get us to come together and form a merger or strategic partnership, which really is a much better word, Jimmy was like number four on my list. I thought, you know, well, this could happen with South Palm, could happen with Grace Place, you know. Tommy's a, a PCA guy, I'm not sure. Jimmy, I don't know, you know. And he was the one that responded, hey, I'd like to talk a lot more about this and, and let's get together and he says, if you're serious. So I offered it up and then he, he bit and he, then he threw the bait and we got excited about it. I remember when you did this, Ray, because we were already multi-site and we were already in some conversations with some other people. We'd already done a couple of these strategic partnerships. And so when you threw that on the table, and it was really an odd thing because one of the guys, pastor of a life church, well, they can't do it, right? right? Pastor of a PCA church, he can't do it because right. denominationally, they, they, their polity won't allow it, right? Then you had another non-denom- two other non-denominational churches, they could do it, and us, a Southern Baptist church, and we could do it. And so when you put that on the table, I could tell immediately, you know, Larry, life church, he checks out. Tommy, PCA church, he checks out. I saw Stan kind of back up like, I'm not about to work for Ray. And I saw... (laughs) Well, we asked that question among the five guys, who would you want to work for? And it was very obvious in that cohort. We love to respect each other. But the guy said, hey, Jimmy Scroggins. So we saw the leadership and the gift and the passion in him that really was calling us that, man... You know, well, so, get behind a guy so like you that. and I went and had lunch and we yep. even talked about some of the dreams that you and I both had for that I had for family church and that you had for PBCC. And remember, you had you had a lot of you had a lot of gas in the tank in terms of what you want to do with your facilities, what you want to do in the community. Hmm. And so we even had to talk through a lot of, hey, even though we share a common vision, reach more people for Christ, how we were going to do that and what our approach is going to be. Mm-hmm. We both had to adjust and meet yes. in the middle in certain ways. And for instance, you guys were networked with the Willow Creek Network. Mm-hmm. We were networked with the Southern Baptist Convention. And so we maintained affiliation with both groups mm-hmm. as a result. So we did some things that come together. But I do think, Steve, it was a lot like the conversation that William and, and Becca are having. Well, Jimmy, you a lot of times talk about this in a relational context. You talk about we're in the dating stage, we're right. in mm. engagement stage. We're now getting married. Explain that to our listeners. I think there's always kind of a courtship dance that you're doing if there's a possibility of creating a strategic partnership. And by the way, we use the term strategic partnership instead of merger for a reason. We found that merger is offensive to people. We found that merger sounds too corporate to a lot of church people. They make It, it makes them feel like you're not being spiritual. And frankly, most mergers are, Steve, what you described at the beginning. It's somebody's Pac-Man and somebody's the dots. Somebody's getting taken over and somebody's being taken over. Nobody wants to be the the church that got merged, right? right? And the truth is, it is a strategic partnership, no matter what the size of the two churches. There's something that the smaller church or something that both churches are bringing to the table or you wouldn't do it. Exactly. And so it is a strategic partnership. It's a merging of resources and expertise and vision and passion and relationships and all the thing, history. So we use the term strategic partnership. We found that to be a lot more appealing and honestly a lot more exciting. But you we, we've had we've had the wedding. That's we, right. We've actually formed our strategic right. partnership and and PBCC, they're they're no longer PBCC. They're 
family church at the gardens. That's right? right. And so let's talk a little bit about the benefits. What are some things that since we've formed this partnership that we would say, man, this this was really worth it. These are the benefits. Steve, that's almost in another podcast. I mean, that, that there's been honestly, truthfully, I'm not trying to sell it. It's true. And there's so many benefits. I think specifically for Palm Beach Community Church was our kids ministry. Our student ministry is so far superior. And the way family church works thematically with their, their message themes and does it throughout the whole church, it grows a church. It disciples people. So that was immediately, it really, for a church, it brought us back on mission. It brought me back on mission. You know, ministry is so much more fun when you're on a winning team and you're on an offense and not on defense all the time. When you're taking down territory and advancing the cause of Christ, it's getting back on mission and living mission and the joy it is on, you know, making disciples. All right. So you see a great, a lot of benefits that it has happened throughout the church. Okay. All kinds of benefits. Yeah. And I'd say all the above. Let me just add to that. We didn't have a building. We didn't have a place to meet. And now we do. We had a congregation of 350. Now we have a congregation of eight or 900. We had, well, we gained some really critical and valuable staff members. We gained some really crucial and valuable lay people who are leaders, who are givers, who are Bible teachers. And so putting all of this together just elevated the scale and scope of what Family Church is doing in the northern part of Palm Beach County. And frankly, just the deep relationship and friendship that all of us enjoy with Ray and the other people who came from PBCC into Family Church. I mean, honestly, it's just a richer, deeper, better, more effective church because of this partnership than we ever could have been without PBCC coming together with us. And we immediately became ascending church. We immediately That's correct. started church. In the first year, we have a daughter church. We have another daughter church we're about to launch in just a couple of months. And we have a, Ray, before this podcast today, we were talking about the possibility of launching another daughter church out west of Palm Beach Gardens. And so you're right. It really right. has led to multiplication. So this was a That's great right. new mission decision for hmm. you guys. Hmm. Yes. So really, you guys, as far as making more disciples, we're seeing that happen. We're baptizing more people. But Ray, I'm just thinking about, you know, your role in this. I mean, honestly, the humility that you displayed was extraordinary. And I think everybody on our team saw that and grew from that. And the way that you modeled that, I, I would say one of the key ingredients for churches mm. that are considering this, if they're really not in that posture of humility, I don't mm. I don't really see this happening. And Jimmy, you may want mm. to speak to that because it wouldn't be very humble for Ray to talk about his humility. <laughs> well <laughs> go ahead and talk. All your talk, you know. <laughs> Well, I think I think it's it's obvious. Anyone who knows Raymond, even in this podcast, just Raymond, your your willingness to lay down a title and lay down a position, and you still have pastoral authority and leadership sure. in our church, significant, but it is definitely a different role than you've had in the past. And your willingness to do that, and your desire to initiate it, and then to drive it through with your elders. I mean, I don't think anybody was more determined to get this partnership completed than Ray Underwood. And you took it just as almost like your own personal mission from God. We're going to make this happen. And not only that, one of the things, Steve, that Ray does is nobody's more positive and takes more ownership of the vision and mission of Family Church than than Ray does. And so there's just not a better encourager or cheerleader for anybody on our team than Ray in terms of advancing all of this. And you and I talked to a consultant, Jim Timerlin, about, hey, what's going to happen? We put they have you know, several hundred people. We have several hundred people. We put these together. What's going to happen? He said, you're going to lose at least 30%. Right. 
and actually we gained. We gained. Yeah. We gained. And I think the reason we gained is there was no sense of division or strife or friction among the top leadership on staff. And that's that's right. What was the average? I mean, he remember I remember that conversation yeah. and he gave us a percentage. He said thirty percent. Thirty percent. Yes. So we attrition. Were, right. So we were really kind of not pessimistic, but we were like ready to take the the gut punch. Right. And then when we opened up and had our first launch service, we we literally were blown away and we haven't slowed down since. Yeah. In fact, we've Great continued campus. to grow. So it's really been amazing. Both of you guys know that this is this isn't an isolated conversation in South Florida. This this is a national conversation. There there are thousands of churches that have merged and there are probably another, you know, I don't know how many, but thousands of churches that are having this conversation. You guys get phone calls weekly from churches that are considering this. I was wondering what type of conversation, what type of encouragement, what type of caution you would give to pastors that are on the bubble or on the fence making this decision? I say be bold in having the conversation. It's always healthy, regardless of what the answer is. It's always healthy to ask the tough questions and lean in and explore and get before God and get your face before God and God, what do you want? And, and the answer isn't always yes. Sometimes no, you're not better together and that's great and good. So man, always lean in, be a big enough person to lean in and take risk and do that heart searching and, and find out what God wants. To me, it's it was, you talk about my humility. To me, it was just God's kingdom was always first. God's kingdom has been first in my life. It's not about me. It's about God's kingdom. And, and when you begin to believe that, then you, you want to work together. Right. You want to do whatever is most effective and fruitful in reaching people for Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've got several, I've got several thoughts about the practical issues involved in putting a strategic partnership like this together. One, you've got to have theological compatibility. It doesn't have to be identical, but you must be compatible theologically. And then it's got to be based on relationship and vision. If you can't join these organizations because of relationship and vision, don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't do it for your ego to have a little bit bigger empire. Don't do it for the buildings. Don't do it for the money. It is not worth it. That's like marrying a woman. That, that's like you'd be better off on a corner of a roof. Do not do that because we have friends who merge and it's been a disaster, right? Don't do it. Do it for vision. Do it for relationship and make sure you're theologically compatible. But then just a couple of other practical things on top of that, if I could. One, I would advise everybody who's going to do this to get a consultant. I don't think you should do this on your own. Find some pastor. It doesn't have to be a, a paid consultant or some consulting firm. Find a pastor or two who have actually done this and get them to walk you through the process from beginning to end and help navigate you through the waters of a merger of a strategic partnership. Secondly, You've got to be prepared to do your due diligence. Don't take anybody's word for anything. You need to hire a lawyer. You need to hire a land planner. you got to make sure the land that you think you're getting, you got to do a title search. You've got to do all the things an attorney would do before you purchased a home. You've got to do that. Even if you think this is the greatest guy in the greatest church in the world, when you find out that they got 40 drones of illegal plutonium buried under their church, you're going to be sorry. So you've got to make sure that you do all. you got to make sure that you do all. I don't know that from experience. It's a joke. But you have to do all of this kind of due diligence. And then finally, whatever you agree, on, I would encourage you to have a working document in writing so that you have expect, at least if it's not a legal contract, which I do recommend, at least have a written expectations agreement between the churches so that everybody knows what to expect and what you're walking into. If somebody's not willing to put something in writing, don't just take their word for it. So get it all in writing, lawyer up, do it the right way, do your due diligence, get a consultant to help you. This will help 
really, really accelerate your process. And it'll make sure that on the back end, you have less opportunity for regret. Ray, you have been involved with this, as has Jimmy multiple times over. And, you know, you've just here at our church and here mm-hmm. in South Florida and then other, other churches that you've worked with. I know that this is something that you're passionate about helping churches that are wanting to have this conversation. And this winter at our Sharper Conference, you're actually leading a breakout session. And this is where you're going to actually talk a lot about the nuts and bolts. We weren't able to cover those things right. today. Yes. Could you give us a little bit of a, some just information of what you're going to be talking about? Well, that's often what I do. I often, when I get in relationship with people and they want to explore it, I encourage them to go to other churches that are doing it. And going to our Sharper Conference is an excellent example of they can see it and feel it and get under the hood and understand it. But we'll be talking about being better together and the value of that and how to go about building those relationships and building relationships of trust. And there's deliberate things you can do and you got to be vulnerable and honest and rich. All right, to that, www.sharperconference.com. It's March the 1st, 2018. You're all invited. We want you to come. Bring your team. Bring your staff. This is Church for the Rest of Us. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.